As I was thinking about this uh, the sermon that I was going to share this morning, um, I'm going to be real honest with you. Um, recently, um, and I think that all of us do this, um, but recently in my own life, um, I was thinking about things like uh, what I wish I would have done. Um, as many of you know, my brother-in-law passed away unexpectedly, and um, all of a sudden, start, things start going through your mind. Did I, did I say the things that would encourage this person? Did I, did I have a good relationship? I wish I would have, if I would have known, I wish I would have said more. I wish I would have let them know how important that they were to my life. And um, the more I thought about this, I thought about, man, um, a, lot of, a lot of us, all of us, go through life with regrets. Things that we wish we would have said, things that we wish we would have done, things that we look back and we wish we would have reacted differently or said something different. And no matter, no matter who you are, we all have regrets. I, I remember uh, uh, there was, it was when my kids were really small. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure if Allison was even born yet, but somebody had um, paid a lot of money for, and I don't know if you guys remember um, uh, the little tiny shoes that, you buy for kids and you put them on they're like Reebok or something like that and they were just as expensive as an adult pair of shoes but um, I remember saying to the person um, why does somebody spend that kind of money on because it was for my son I was thinking why do they spend that kind of money on on something that's gonna be gone that they're not even gonna hardly grow into and um, I saw the person's face change. I felt so guilty. I'm thinking about the things that, I, the thing that I said that may have hurt somebody's generous spirit. Maybe you've said some things like this before or the things that later you wish you would have said differently. But as I think about regrets, I started thinking about in the Bible, what does the Bible have to say about how we're supposed to live? Because I could imagine that if I look back, the regrets that I would have, that, that, I've, that I've thought about, and I think I can be pretty just open with you and share with you some of, our, some of thoughts that maybe you've had also Regrets about our kids. Are we saying the right thing? Are we encouraging them? Are we lifting them up? Are we praying for them? Regrets that we didn't do enough or that we did too much. Regrets about my finances. Did I give enough? Did I, was, I, was I faithful with what God has blessed me with, with giving out to others? And regrets about 
the things that I said to people. Regrets about, did I share Jesus enough? Am I, am I back too backwards sometimes when, when I should be openly saying, how's Jesus in your life? You know, I, I think um, there's probably many people in the Bible that would have probably said things like, you know, I, I wish I wouldn't have eaten of that tree. I imagine that Adam and Eve, once they got out of the garden, they looked back and said, man, I wish I wouldn't have eaten of that tree. I can imagine Cain would have said, I wish I wouldn't have killed my brother. I wish I wouldn't let anger get the best of me. And all of a sudden, it was, I couldn't do anything about it. I can imagine Abraham would have said, and Sarah, his wife, would have said, boy, I, I wish I hadn't lied about my wife and saying that she was my sister. And Sarah going along with it. And then I can imagine Sarah's probably regretting she, I wish, now that Isaac is, is getting ready to come, I wish I'd never would have given my said to my husband, go ahead and have Hagar as a, as a wife. I, I, I can just imagine there are regrets in, in these people's lives that afterwards they go back and they say, I wish I wouldn't have. I, Aaron would probably have said, I wish I wouldn't have been involved in the golden calf and making that calf to offer it up for idols when Moses was up on the mountain. I can imagine David would have said, I wish I wouldn't have been here to look over the roof down to Bathsheba and all the things that it caused my family. I can imagine Jonah would have regretted and said after, said after he got with Nineveh, I wish I would have gone to Nineveh in the first place. I wish I wouldn't have just gone away from God. And I would imagine Martha and Mary, well, Martha and Mary and, and, um, and their brother, I imagine Martha would have said, I wish I would have believed in Jesus' power. And Peter probably said, I wish I wouldn't have denied him. Can you imagine the guilt that he felt afterwards? And Thomas saying, I wish I would have believed. I wish I wouldn't have questioned whether Jesus was alive or not because I saw all the miracles that he did and I never should have questioned it. And Judas probably said, I wish I wasn't so money hungry. There ain't no doubt in my mind that Judas regretted what he did. I wonder, when you think sometimes, I think about, I wish I hadn't talked to that person that way. And this is me. Me saying, I wish I wouldn't have done this. I wish, it was, I, I, wish I didn't get angry sometimes. I wish I would stop and just allow God's spirit to just kind of relax me and say, don't overreact, just let it happen. And then because sometimes we jump out and we say things and all of a sudden we've said them and we can't take them back and we were taking it totally out of context. You know, in his autobiography, Just As I Am, Billy Graham writes this. He tells about a conversation that he had with John F. Kennedy president of the United States after his election. He said on his way back 
to the Kennedy House, the president-elect stopped the car and turned to me. And he said, do you believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ? He asked. Billy said, I most certainly do. Well, does my church believe it? He was a Catholic. He says, they have it in their creeds. They don't preach it, he said. They don't tell us much about it. I'd like to know what you think. I Billy says, I explained what the Bible said about Christ coming the first time, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, and then promising that he would come again. Only then I said, are we going to have permanent world peace? Very interesting, John Kennedy said. Looking, he said, looking away, he said, we'll have to talk again sometime. And he drove on. Several years later, the two met again at the 1963 National Prayer Breakfast. I had the flu, Billy Graham remembers. After I gave my short talk and he gave his, we walked out of the hotel to his car together. And as was always our custom, at the curb, he turned to me and said, Billy, could you ride back to me with the white, to the White House? I'd like to see you for a minute. Billy said, Mr. President, I've got a fever, I protested. Not only am I weak, but I don't want to give you this thing. Couldn't we wait and talk some other time? It was a cold, snowy day, and I was freezing as I stood there without my overcoat, Billy says. Of course, he says graciously. But the two would never meet again. Later that year, Kennedy was shot. Billy Graham comments his hesitation at the car door and his request still haunts me to this day. What was on his mind? Should I have gone with him? It was an irrecoverable moment. When we look at people's lives, make no mistake, we all have regrets. All of us are dealing with something. Although Frank Sinatra sang, I did it my way, I don't have any regrets, or the regrets that I have, I've had a few, but too few to mention, I did it my way. Let me tell you, Frank Sinatra had regrets. Even Paul Anka, who wrote the song, said he wrote it for the image of a man who didn't care about anything except for succeeding. And as we all know, when we grow up and when we become adults, we all have regrets. Regret is sorrow or remorse over something that has happened or what we have done. Regret can also be a sense of disappointment over what has not happened, such as regretting wasted years. To be human is to have regrets because making mistakes is a universal experience. We all have regrets. Words that we could wish we could take back, feelings that we overreacted upon. I said something about, um, about how much money was spent. Do I have regrets on this day? I still get chills when I think about it. 
I think about some of the other things that I've done or said that I wish I could take back and I wish I could change. What do we do with things like that that haunt us? The Bible gives us instruction on what we're supposed to do. It will result in fewer regrets. God commands and gives us boundaries, and it's written down in his word. And if we adhere to them, it's not that we're not going to have regrets, but that we'll be able to prepare to how God can help us through the process of things that have happened in our life. You see, if you remember, there was a story about David, and David uh, had an, uh, an affair with, um, with Bathsheba, and she got pregnant. And in Psalm 51, David writes these words because he is still overwrought with what had happened because he had ended up killing Bathsheba's husband and uh, thought he got away with it. And the, um, it was said to him, you are the man that has done this awful thing. In Psalm 51, he says, as he's praying to God, restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. You see, we have had things that we've regretted. And we know that God said he regretted that he made mankind. Did, does that mean God didn't know? Well, God knew what was going to happen. It's just that he sighed when he looked at him and said, I wish you wouldn't have done the things that you're doing. I didn't create you for such that purpose. His heart is sorrowful that he witnessed the destruction of where we were going. But he was not surprised. God's not surprised by the things that we do. God doesn't look down and say, oh, look, look what Tom said. I never knew that was coming. God knows exactly what's going on. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, he says, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but revealed in these last times for your sakes. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. God wants us to be holy and without blame before him in love. God wants us to live holy lives. But we make mistakes. We have things that we regret does that mean that God doesn't love us anymore? No. God still loves us exceedingly. But he doesn't want us to live the way that we're living. In Isaiah chapter 46, 46 verses 9 through 11, it says, Remember the former things of old. I am God and there is no one else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executed my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will bring it to pass, I have purposed it, and I will do it. 
God is in control. So God loves us in spite of what we do. If not, then why would he have kept coming back to the Israelites and wanting them to come back to him if he was so disappointed? God loves you no matter what you've done. God loves you no matter where you've been or what you've said. Are we going to have regrets? Yes, we are. There are going to be things that we do that are considered wrong in God's eyes. And God is grieved when we choose the wrong things. But make no mistake, God still loves you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. You see, human regret is different from God's regret. Human regret is because we don't know what's going to happen and we're trying to just make it through life. As we age, and I am so thankful for this, as we age, we don't make the same mistakes that we did when we were younger. How many of you are thankful for that? How many of you learned sometimes it's better just to keep your mouth shut and just let them talk and just let it go and not... But if you're a young person, and this is nothing against the young people, Josiah, or, or, or Roman or Peyton or anybody under the age of 30. <clears throat> but things are said... And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, no, that's not the way it is. We have more discerning understanding about and more length of what life is and how we deal with it. We have regret. We look back on decisions of our youth, and we regret some of our choices. However, those regrets fall into two categories. Our regrets arise from either foolish choices or sin choices. There's a difference between a foolish choice and a sin choice. Each requires a different response. First, we can regret things that we did. I wish I would have gone this way instead of this way because now it's going to take me 30 minutes to get back to where I was at. I wish I wouldn't have gone to this college Instead, I wish I would have gone to this college because after 20 years of doing this thing that I was trained for, that's not really what I want to do. I want to do something different. And so we see that decisions like that aren't sins, but they're choices that we regret and we look back on. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good of those who love God and are called according to the purpose for them. Asking God to make our foolish choices into something that's good later on. How many of you are thankful for the things that 
you chose earlier and then you realized it wasn't the best thing but it gave you experience that you were able to do something different now and maybe have a better understanding of what life is all about. Asking God to make the things that we've worked out for our good. We can focus on positive aspects that we've learned about and that we trust in. Nothing is wasted in you, if you've gone through life. It'll continue to help and mature you and get you to the place where the immature decisions can help us to get to mature decisions later on in life. We can forgive ourselves for immature decisions and purpose to grow, right, to, to grow wiser. Um, I think of Paul, and I, I can't imagine what Paul had thought about after he became converted and all the things that he had done with killing people. Felt like he was doing the right thing. There's no doubt in my mind that Paul had regrets. And he looked back and he said, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I would have been wiser with why I did the things that I did. Matter of fact, here's what he says in Philippians chapter 3. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. Paul came to the place to where he said, you know, I've, I've done a lot of things. I've got to let them go. I can't change it. I can't do anything different with what I was given. And I've got to go from now on. From now on, I'm going to do whatever I can to live for Christ. Peter is, a, is another example of one who regrets his foolish decision. Although Peter was committed to Christ, his fear from the soldiers made him run his mouth and he denied Christ. His actions did not come from a desire to sin. He wasn't trying to do the wrong thing but from impulse or spiritual immaturity. He regretted his actions and wept bitterly. In Luke chapter 22, verse 62, it tells about how Peter reacted. Jesus, it's important for us to understand, Jesus knew because he told Peter before, you're going to deny me three times. No, I'm not. Have you ever had somebody tell you something that they think that you're going to do and you want to argue with them? No, there's no way. And all of a sudden something happens and you're thinking, oh man, I did exactly what they said I was going to do. Peter regretted and after his resurrection, Jesus have these words to say in Mark chapter 16 verse 7. But go your way, tell the disciples and Peter. Why did he pull out Peter? Peter was a disciple. That he goes before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. And he went. 
and Jesus met them, if you'll remember, he met them outside. And I can imagine that Peter was still overwhelmed with what he had done. Have you ever done something wrong, and when you see the person, you just want to go up and you want to hug them and you want to say, I'm sorry. I am sorry I did this. I'm sorry I said this. I'm sorry I reacted this way. I can imagine Peter wanted to run up to the Lord. And the Lord said to him, do you love me? And he said, if you love me, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep and feed my lambs, is what he said. Jesus still loved Peter, even though he did something that he had regrets for. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 7. And he said, where will I return? Jeremiah chapter 24, 7 says, I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I shall be their God, and they will return to me with their whole heart. God wants us to give everything to him. God want, doesn't want us to live in our regrets. God doesn't want us to feel sorry for what we've done. He wants us to move forward and say, I will live for God with everything that I've got because he has redeemed me and he has forgiven me. Regrets that we have when we do sins, that pain of regret can drive us to decisions that we may not otherwise make. Judas was one of those people. Now, it's important that we understand that Judas, if you, if you remember right, Judas decided to um, turn over Jesus to the guards. And so he, they were going to get some, they got 30 pieces of silver. Maybe he thought this won't be a big deal. We'll get the 30 pieces of silver. We'll put it in our coffers. And then all of a sudden, they'll let Jesus go and we have 30 pieces of silver. Well, it didn't work out that way. Because if you remember, Judas went back to the scribes and the Pharisees and he threw down the money. He said, take it back. I don't want to do this. I regret my choice. But they said, we're not taking it back. Your choice is your choice. And if you don't know, Judas went out and hung himself because he couldn't live with the regret that we have. There have many, been many people that couldn't live with the regret of their choice. And they said, it's not worth it. I can't deal with the pain of my heart. Regret can lead to self-destruction. But God wants it to lead us to repentance. God wants us to be led to where we can make the decisions made because of him. The difference between mere regret and true repentance, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. And worldly sorrow brings death. Rather than allow the regret to win, and the devil wants us to live in regret, 
The devil wants us to feel bad about the things that we've done. Instead of allowing regret to win, we can allow Jesus to transform our lives and make us into new creatures and magnify the power of his grace even though we've done something wrong. When we come to him in repentance, believing that his sacrifice on the cross was sufficient payment, we can be forgiven. God wants you to be forgiven, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made righteous of God in him. Romans chapter 9, or chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There are two men on the cross besides Jesus. One didn't take back any regret. He said, I've done what I've done. I might as well just die. Let's all die together. And the other one said, please allow me to be with you in your kingdom today. He wanted to release the regret. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. The things that I used to do, I'm not going to do them anymore. Why? Because I feel so much regret? No, because Jesus forgave me of my sins. So what do we do with our lives? We stop making decisions. We stop talking. We stop interacting with other people. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Aren't you thankful for the peace that God gives when you know that you've been forgiven? Whereas the devil wants you to live in your regret, Jesus wants you to live in your repentance. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteous, unrighteousness. Philippians chapter 3 again, brothers, I don't consider to have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining for what lies ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it to you. God, please open up my eyes and help me to see your love to me no matter what I've done. I don't want to... I, even though I can't stop remembering about the old things, I don't want them to, to describe and set as a precedence here how I'm going to live from, from now on. I want to live the way that God wants me to live, and I want to be one who's forgiving and loving and caring 
and helpful. God help us not to look back. God help us not to stay in a fear of regret and say, I want to live forward because of what Jesus Christ can do and will do in my heart. On May the 6th, 1954, Roger Bannister became the first man in history to run a mile in less than four minutes. Within two months, John Landy eclipsed the record by 1.4 seconds. On August 2nd, on August 7th, 1954, three months after the record was broke, the two men met together for an historic race. As they moved into the last lap, Landy held the lead. It looked as if he was going to win. But as he neared the end, he was haunted by the question, I wonder where Bannister's at. He turned around to see Bannister, and as he turned, Bannister took the lead. Landy t later told Time Magazine reporter, if I hadn't looked back, I would have won. One of the most descriptive pictures in the Christian life is comparing to an athlete in a race. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 27, tells us that discipline is the key to winning. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, says we are encouraged to lay aside anything that causes us any spiritual advancement and to stay focused on Christ. And in Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, Forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark of those things which are ahead. God give us the understanding that the, and the endurance that we are running a race, that we need to keep our focus on Jesus Christ and not on what we've done in the past. And not the things that we wish we wouldn't have done, but we need to focus on where God's going to take us. Help us not to wallow in our past failures. Help us to be disciplined and shun the evil desires of the devil trying to pull us down. May we fix our eyes on the eternal goal that is set before us and live for Jesus Christ. I don't know what your... We all have different lives. We have all done different things, and there may have been some things that you did that I would never do. There's things that I've done that you would never do. But here's what I know. God loves us, and he wants us to be drawn close to him. And so as we close out the service this morning, before we come up and do our communion, I'd like for us to just stand. Again, I don't know what's, in, with a sermon like this, I'm sure there's things that are going through your mind that you know about that I don't know about. But God knows about them. And God knows the regret and the feeling that you have and things that are holding you back 
from going forward positive with what Jesus Christ has done. I think it's important for us to say, and even before we take communion, it says that we're supposed to examine ourselves. And we're supposed to say, you know, is there anything that's between me and you right now? Because I don't want nothing that's going to stop me from having great communion with God the Father. So if you want to come up and if you want to pray this morning, come on up and pray. And uh, if there's something that's on your heart that God is, um, that you, you're, you're, you're saying, I need to let go of, I need to just get rid of it. It's been haunting me too long. I'm tired of holding on to it. From now on, I want God to be in control. Then come on up and pray. We're just going to have a few minutes here. Just come on up. If 